Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 259 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we are going to talk about UFC 292, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Conor McGregor, because there's something really funny going on there, and just you know, hit or miss with all of the headlines I can get my fingers on while we're recording. This is a fly by the seat of our pants kind of episode. But first, let's find out how Victor's doing. How's your week been? I am tired. I've had a lot of work, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, uh, a lot of day job stuff, a lot of dad stuff. It's been a pain in the ass. But you know what? It's cool. It's all been rewarding. A lot of stuff has been paying off, and I am really, really, really uh, super giddy to announce some stuff soon. So uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. But can't get too far ahead of it just yet. I'm just making sure that I uh, line up my ducks, and it's going to be good, man. That's all I can say right now. Did you know that USADA and the powers that be are trying to keep Conor McGregor from his livelihood. Did you know that? Uh, you know, usually when I hear people complain in this line of, of, of discourse, I got questions. Now, what is so grand an impediment that you, for some reason, can't get back in the pool or can't do the things that you want to do? I'm just wondering what that might be. I mean, you've been out of the game long enough. You've had ample opportunity to re-enter. You seem to have chosen not to. Dana doesn't seem too bothered about it. You haven't had any sense of urgency. I wonder what it might be. Oh, my God. He he released all these little audio clips on Twitter. Now, they've since been deleted. But... You've got to hear this. Okay. He's, he starts off with, last night, I actually logged off before the pay-per-view began. Was it the finale? Where was the finale? I asked for a full card for all these contestants because I vouch for all of them. Some great little fighters were on that, I think. We were all over ESPN. I was told that was going to happen. That didn't happen. Maybe now it will happen. I imagine we'll do something, I'm sure. It's on tape. I knew the finale was on. I could have been there. But that's John Cavanaugh. That's Brad Katona. I would have loved to be there, to be honest with you. But I said to myself, I can't keep eating into my time here. And just like that, yeah, here, let's go and go places and socialize. I missed family. I missed weddings and everything on the come up. I wouldn't even come outside the door unless it had something to do with fighting. That was me. A good, dear friend said to me, 
there comes a point you've got to get back to the shop. You can't just be handing out flowers all the time. You got to get back to the shop. Sounded like uh, he was barely lucid there. He continues on. I'm at that spot now. I didn't go to the fight because of that reason. I'm here having a decent camp and I'm getting my rounds in daily and we'll be building off this body-wise and work-wise. It's, it's going tremendous. Then I'm watching the fights and I'm like, fair play that you stayed put. You didn't fly across the world and disrupt your training. So good, champ, champ. Well done, champ, champ. <laughs> and then he goes on. He says, they're not going to let me fight in December, ladies and gentlemen. Did you see Chris Weidman? Imagine what that injury was. I feel like I've been kept from my livelihood and I've been feeling this for years, off and on, on and off. And all of a sudden these things pop up and it's like, what? I'm not going to air grievances. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I wanted the announcement. December 16th. I've given everything. It's not going to happen. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. I want to show up to the gym and play. I don't want to kill someone. I don't want to be killed. I'm actually starting to think now of tomorrow's work and when I'm doing today's work. <laughs> think of tomorrow while you're in today so you'll make it tomorrow. That's where I'm at at the minute. Holy shit, that last bit sounded so much like Trump. Right? Please, please tell me that was the end. No, that's everything. Chandler did re reply, and the transcript comes from uh, MMA Fighting, and it says, Obviously, that's what I've signed up for. I signed up for the ultimate fighter, for the fight at the end of the tunnel. The fight at the end of the tunnel was Team Chandler versus Team McGregor on the ultimate fighter, and then Connor versus Chandler. That's the fight that I've known is going to happen for the entire time. I've never wavered. Even when Connor is wavering, is he really wavering? Or is he just trying to realize that every single one of you guys is watching every single one of his movements, every single one of his thumb strokes on Twitter? <laughs> so, yeah, Connor says nobody's letting him have his livelihood. But if I recall correctly, it's you that hasn't put your ass in USADA. Get in USADA, dummy. You can't just go in there and fight not being in the pool at all. You have to go. Oh, my God. What is wrong with this dude? Victor, help me out. I don't know that I can help you here. I don't know that anyone can help anything in this situation. What was that torrent of absolutely disjointed, rambling whatever that was that's what i don't understand that you, you you have this man talking about all oh, this 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 all this victimhood all these things that are happening to him and yet and yet as you just mentioned right the only person holding off him jumping back into this at the testing pool is him why hasn't he done so if he really was thinking that he was going to do this if he was as he's been promising for months Right. People have been asking. People have been poking and prodding. When are you coming back? When are you fighting? And we had this whole thing going on and stretched out. And now we have whatever this is. I don't know that any of this particularly means anything, but it does illustrate the point that he is further disconnected from reality than people have expected and that people have wanted to admit. 
Look at the other thing that he said that night. He was congratulating Brad Katona. He said, the team McGregor won the ultimate fighter. Buddy, you had one guy. Mm-hmm. One guy <laughs> who came into the final, who switched teams, by the way, because Brad Katona was on Team Chandler as a veteran and switched over out of a sense of, of uh, you know, loyalty, gratitude, and, and a desire to train with his familiar coach in Kavanaugh, whom he had trained with previously. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that kind of grandstanding and this weird bravado and that kind of thing. Like, that's all intertwined. That's all, all this adds up to whatever this is. And I don't know really what this is supposed to be or for whom these performances are for. He gets on and he starts talking and going and going and going. And then Chandler goes in there. It's like the last guy in the room to realize that this fight isn't happening is him. Hmm. I don't even think Dana's sold on it. Have you, you, have you noticed how disheartened he is when this topic comes up? He's like, yeah, I mean, it'll happen. It's not like, shut up, you goof. You know what's going to happen because we don't play around and this is going to be a thing that we promise and we're going to put out there. It's not that. That is not the tone. That in and of itself is a part of the response, and that is very revealing. And this right here is just more fat. It's more filler. I don't even know what what he thought he was going to accomplish with any of this stuff. And then he goes on. He deleted these things, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yes, he did. Receipted. So what was this for? It makes it even more, you know, more of a waste. It's even less useful. I just, I, I, you don't even know where to go with this guy anymore. I mean, is it, is it, is it, is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it paranoia? Yes, yes, is it some yes. other mental thing? Is it a combination of all these <laughs> yes. factors? I don't know. <laughs> and frankly, frankly, I don't even care. Mm-hmm. I'm at a point. This is like when Alex Perrine said, you know, uh, call me when John McCain does something massively important or fucking dies. Okay, this is how I am with McGregor. Is he fighting? No? Okay, cool. Goodbye. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Did he Did he commit some sort of criminal act? Well, yeah, that falls into my wheelhouse. I'll find out. Is he fighting? Sure. I'll listen. Anything else? I don't give a fuck. And no one else should. And the fact that people continue to give this oxygen and attention, that in and of itself is is just another failure, I feel. And it just leads and, and feeds into him continuing to do shit like this. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I stick to my guns when I say that man is never fighting again. He only wants the fame associated with being champ champ. He uses that term a lot, despite the fact that he is no longer a champion of anything. So I I think I might have mentioned this last week. I remember you saying he's not fighting again. And I was like, well, maybe. But now I am firmly in your camp. I am firmly I'm I'm in the tent next to you stealing your potato chips. I agree. This man is not fighting again. There's just no way after this. Like there's this this is unconscionable, man. This shit needs to stop. It it really is. And the UFC, specifically Dana White, just kind of leaving everybody in the air in limbo whenever he gets asked about it, too. And that they're perfectly fine. For this guy who has all the visible characteristics of being way, way in the bag, you know, he is just, he seems unhinged these days. And it does have all the hallmarks of a lot of booze and maybe a lot of uh, party favors and things along those lines. And it seems grimy as fuck that the UFC is still trying to capitalize on it. 
knowing full well what's happening. He is just devolving into something. I mean, it's kind of sad to see because he had so much talent and potential and man, what we're getting these days is just somebody that's beefy and that's all. Beefy well, with a big mouth. And his big mouth isn't even serving him anymore. He couldn't box eggs if he was in an egg boxing factory. Connor oh, McGregor. God, what happened to your gift of gab? Oh my God. It's just been eaten away like Swiss cheese by your own vanity and by whatever party favors and booze that he always has a bottle with him. He's always drinking straight from it. I mean, the dude goodness gracious it's it's really tragic in my opinion and, and the wise words of tom york and radiohead you do it to yourself you do and that's what really hurts so let's move on to another very famous name ronda rousey now ronda has been the subject of lots and lots of grapevine gossip people saying hey ufc 300 is coming up we've had we've seen her exit the wwe again and this time it seems like it might be a little more permanent than the last time she went to the trouble to help set shana up and you know put shana really 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 over and i thought that was kind of cool the way that that went down that's a big step for Rhonda, in my opinion. The speculation was, you know, Rhonda's going to come back and, and do a one-off fight at UFC 300. That is not going to happen according to Dana White. There's no shot. She accomplished everything she set out to do. Her dream was to win a UFC championship, then win a WWE championship, and she's done it. Now she's starting a family. Rhonda has made so much money and she's still making a lot of money in sponsorships. Okay, listen. That wasn't her dream when she started. You want to know how I know that? Because I interviewed Shana, Shana just you know a few weeks ago and Shana talked about how she steered Rhonda into pro wrestling that you know she had commandeered the one tv in the house because Shayna moved in with Rhonda and to this day still lives with Rhonda but she commandeered the one tv in the house on Monday night so she could watch Monday Night Raw and she would commandeer it every night that there was wrestling and so Rhonda started watching with her and got into wrestling because of Shayna her, quote, dream back in the day was not to win a UFC championship, then win a WWE championship. Now, it may have become that along the way after she left UFC. For the way that Dana tells it, it's like he knew all along from the moment he first talked to Ronda. But anyways, this is just the shooting down of a rumor. But if we go back in our memory palaces, there are lots of times when Dana comes out and makes these absolutely line in the sand, put the foot down, hard-nosed statements, this will never happen. Guess what? Just a couple of years before Ronda Rousey made her UFC debut, Dana White was on record saying, women will never be in the UFC. And then I also recall a time when Jeremy Stevens got arrested 
And Dana White just kept saying, Jeremy Stevens will fight tonight on this card. Uh, I remember Dana White saying, most famously, the UFC is not for sale. We are not selling the UFC. All those people out there that are putting this rumor out are lying. We are not selling the UFC. Guess what happened the very next month? They sold the UFC. I just never say never with Dana White. Now, I, I kind of believe that Rousey's not coming back. But because Dana White is so adamant about it, it makes me wonder. So, Victor, I got to ask you, are you also kind of wondering? We just had, we just had what, UFC 292, right? Mm. Okay, so 300, that's eight pay-per-views away. Let's say that's, let's say that's seven months from now. Mm. Ronda Rousey, I predict, will be at UFC 300. Mm-hmm. In attendance as part of the audience. Yeah. She'll be there with the husband. She'll be there for fight week, sign some autographs, talk to media a little bit. Wave, smile, a couple of things here and there. Get some grievances off her chest. And that'll be that. I do not think that she's going to come back after all this time for no real massive incentive. I mean, even, even if they were to pay her a substantial sum, is it really necessary at this point? Like how there there are people that don't necessarily need the money, but most importantly, they don't need the brain damage and the tarnishing of their reputation. If she were to return to professional wrestling, which maybe she's done, maybe she's not. She doesn't really need the stress of having a fight camp and then going back. You know what I mean? Like if she's really going to be focused on motherhood and stuff, then she's not going to throw herself. And besides, like she's going to have many people that would be more than willing to train her and have her in their gym and all that. But she only trusts one person to be her head coach how fucking great has that been going how much really is there for her is the juice worth the squeeze for her to be able to fight and is it worth it for the ufc when clearly they have so many other names that they could put in front and make a a ton of bag off of i just don't see that i don't really think that that's a necessary or important thing i think it's nice to have her around as this is a milestone event and she helped uh, propel sport the the sport and and the company to greater heights i believe that any degree of gratitude that they can show her however um performative that may be i think that's great i think that's that's good that they they show some degree of deference to her as they should should they owe her at the very least that since they underpaid her anyhow but (laughs) to expect her to come back and fight do you want her to come back and fight and fight who fight misha tate again you wanted to fight Holly Holm again? What is there for her to accomplish? What is there that would really be like, yeah, you know what? That's a fight that I need. Bates is gone. She's not going to have, you know, there's there's no need for a rematch there. And besides, she'd already knocked out. Go ahead at the time. So what, what's she going to do? Who is she going to fight now? There's no need. There's no there's no desire, I don't feel, in the fan base. I'm sure they've done their market research. And I'm sure they realize, hey, you know what? She's a great commodity in pro wrestling. We don't really need to do this here now. If Rhonda intimated that she was willing, do you know what they would do? They would fall all over themselves to make it happen. You said something interesting there. She doesn't need it. Why would she need it? It's not about what she needs. It's about what the UFC needs. Remember that. It's never about what's good for the fighters. It's only about what's good for the UFC. Now, let's talk about Myra Bueno Silva, who recently got that big win over Holly Holm. 
she has tested positive for a banned substance, but she came out and let everyone know on her Instagram. And so I'm going to read to you what she said to all my fans. It is with deep regret that I have to announce that I failed a drug test that I took the week of my fight against Holly Holm. I want to begin by saying I have never in my life taken a substance to enhance my ability in or outside the cage. I have tested positive for a substance that is consistent with the prescription medication I take for ADHD. I have been dealing with this disorder my entire life and it affects me in a multitude of ways. I have provided a plethora of documents and explanations to USADA and the Nevada State Athletic Commission detailing the disorder, the effects of the disorder on my daily life, and my decision-making in the ingestion of the prescription medicine. I am fully cooperating with USADA, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and the UFC to make sure that all information is available, and I fully acknowledge the presence of the substance in my system. I discontinued taking this medication at the beginning of fight week, like I always have in the past. So while it appeared in a small amount in my system, I am told by experts that it would not have an effect on my in-competition performance at that level. Please, before you make any judgments, understand that I have been dealing with this my whole life and I am devastated that this happened in my career. I look forward to coming to a resolution and putting this behind me. I look forward to fighting again for the best organization in the world. I am the next champion and I am ready to fight. Kevin Lee faced a similar problem back in 2021 when he tested positive for Adderall. And that was after his loss um, to Daniel Rodriguez at UFC on ESPN Barboza versus Chikadze. And in that case, there was no discussion of overturning his bout since he lost. However, he was suspended for six months and he was fine. Get this, are you, man. $19,526. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, Trent Reinsmith, that dude is doing good, solid work, but he put out a recent story on his Substack about the fees that athletic commissions collect. It is insane. And this is a prime example of that. Do you think Kevin Lee could have afforded $20,000 in fines so mm. he could take something for his ADHD that was prescribed? We do mm. know that Kevin Lee ended up with a, a bit of a problem with Adderall. He very famously made a video saying as such and dumping his Adderall down the drain. I sort of believe Myra Bueno Silva here. She talks about it very openly, owns it outright. I believe her. How about you? You just reminded me of the Kevin Lee thing. I really, really despise when people flush medication down the toilet or down the drain because, dude, it's going to end up in the water supply. Mm. That's not a thing to do. Be considerate. Jesus Christ. Mm. And I, I hope for a couple of things. Here. Now, you know what they say about hope, right? Open one hand, shit in the other, see which one throws up first. I know, but I, I, I gotta, I gotta have some level of, of hope that what I would like to see in this situation, 
number one, that Myra doesn't go the Kevin Lee route and say, all right, you know what? I'm getting rid of these once and for all because she's going to need it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, clearly, Kevin's situation markedly different because of the fact that he developed a, a dependency and a problem, as you noted. And that is something that does need to be uh, highlighted and, and looked at. That is something that, that people do uh, struggle with. And, and everyone's path is different regarding that, right? Mara doesn't seem to have that situation. She says that she's been dealing with this problem for a while. She's been taking her medication. I'm sure there's a paper trail. I'm sure there's a way that that can be documented and that she's got prescriptions and that she's got, you know, doctor's uh, approvals and documentation going back quite some time to corroborate her story. What I'm failing to understand, and this is something that Zane pointed out, um, I don't know why you wouldn't have applied for a therapeutic use exemption in this case. I mean, if it, if possible, um, I, I just... I I hope she doesn't really face any consequences for this because it would really sting to have the biggest loss of your career overturned by something like that. And it's bad enough that people are fucking stupid. The main thing that I've noticed on social media is that the story has been getting shared on Twitter. And the only thing they're seeing is Myra Bonasilva went over, uh, you know, a, a, a drug test failure or whatever, and they're assuming it's steroid. They're assuming it's EPO. They're assuming all manner of things. Guys, this is for her mental health. This is not something that she's taking to get some sort of a physical advantage with. I, I don't, but people are already branding her as some kind of cheat when the conversation is something that should be something entirely different. And and I feel bad for her now because it's like you got all these things happening all at once. Man, the last thing, just if, if, if just maybe if, through her cooperation with USADA and the UFC, they were able to do her a solid, let her at least keep the win. You know what I mean? Let her have some sort of retroactive thing where like, all right, fine, you know, uh, you don't have to pay a fine, but we'll retroactively suspend you three months or some shit. Like, just make it as minor as possible. Just put something on paper and help her in maintaining and to have her continue to get the help that she needs. So she doesn't have to keep struggling like this. So she maybe doesn't have to, during fight week, give up her meds. I just, I, I don't get that. I, I really don't think that uh, it, it's a bit of a tricky landmine situation because you don't want to minimize the mental health of your fighters. You're already going in there and taking brain damage. That's bad enough. But then it's like on top of that, you want them to forego something that's going to help them in their personal life, something that's essential in, in many cases. I don't know, dude. That's a bit dicey. So I really hope that they handle this with a level of tact and care. I know they're capable of it. I don't think it's likely, but I, I really, really don't want for Myra to be fucked over on this. Yeah, same. And also, you know, she's she's looking pretty damn good. I would like to see where she can go. Seriously. She'll fight Ronda at 300. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump into Korean Zombie versus Max Holloway because Believe it or not, there's some good fights on that card. There really is. So this is UFC Singapore. And if you're not paying attention, this is a crazy early card. We're talking 5 a.m. Eastern is when it starts. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. I so, thought it was like around 10 a.m. or something. Wow. Yeah, it starts at 5 a.m. Yeah, so uh, I know a lot of you may end up watching this on a rebroadcast. I will be watching this on a rebroadcast. <laughs> but it, it has some some good stuff on it, but it's top-heavy. 
I, I have to warn you all. Everything on the lower end, um, yeah, there's a lot of names here that you will not recognize if you're not like, you know, the, the most hyper super mega fan of all time. Uh, yeah, you, there's going to be some names you don't recognize. Just to give you a start, Billy Goff versus Yusaku Kinoshita. Came up with those names. You know it ain't real. Stop. <laughs> How about this, this one? Is, this, is, this is the names from that old Nintendo baseball game, Bob and Doug. These fucking fake names of oh. some Japanese developer approximated English. Toshiomi Kazama versus Garrett Armfield. Man, listen. Yeah. Okay, see, I'll, I'll give you a pass on that because I do know who Kazama is. <laughs> I do know him because of but, that. But you know, but do you think. Just the casual person that needs a reason to get invested in this card. Now, let's say that we're not looking at the main card. Let's say we're just looking here. If you had, if you needed someone to to put in here, I mean, their featured prelim is just Lucas oh, Brzezinski versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. That is what they went with for the feature fucking prelim. A heavyweight fight between two no-names. I know who both of them are because I have to know who they are. Right. Exactly. And that's the point that we're constantly trying to drive home. Yes, we know who a lot of these names are. Some, though, I will tell you, I don't know who the hell Garrett Armfield is. I don't know who Toshiomi K Kazama is. Victor does. But neither one of us know who Billy Goff or Yusaku Kinoshita. We don't know them. And we don't know who Jarno Ahrens is, maybe. But... I never heard of that man. He, see? He's not. That's a construct. He's, he's fighting Song Wu Choi. I know who Na Liang is, but do you think everybody, anybody, anybody out there knows who Na Liang is? She's going to fight J.J. Aldridge. I know who J.J. Aldridge is because, you know, I have to know. <laughs> I've been watching J.J. Stinson Victor. I know exactly. Exactly. You mentioned the featured prelim, right? Lucas Brzezinski. I I don't remember this man. Mm. And he's fought in the UFC twice. Yes. And he's on a, on a two-fight losing skid. Yes. That's your feature. Yes. Waldo, Waldo Cortez Acosta, we've already addressed him before in the past. Mm -hmm. Of course I know who he is. Number one, he's mo he's a failed Dominican baseball prospect, and that's not a joke. That's a real thing. And number two, the statistical likelihood that he and I might be related in some capacity. So, yeah, I kind of have to know who the fuck this guy is. Other than that, yeah, it's a hard sell for somebody who isn't already. Like, you, you this is for the sickos. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really got to be in. Like, I'm sure some people know who Chidi and Jaquani is, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure some people know who, who, you know, like JJ Aldrich has, you know, kind of been in and out because of uh, inactivity. Song Kanan? About... Song Kanan is on there. So yeah, we know who Song Kanan is. And I even know who he's fighting, Rolando Bedoya. But the thing yeah. is, is it's not enough for somebody out there to want to get their ass out of bed at 5 a.m. Eastern time to watch this card. Yeah, but again, this is this is a sausage making card. This exactly. is this is keep, keep busy, make work, justify your contractual obligations, justify your distribution deal, justify moving things around and fulfill another time slot and a spot that you had 
for a venue in Singapore. You get all the Asian fighters to cut costs. You keep most of the guys local or at least nearby. It makes sense. It makes sense. And so, like, you know, from a fiscal point of view, I get it. But, oh, boy, that's, you know, if you're if you're expecting anything massive, well, that's what these fight cards, that's what these fight night events are truly for. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it's like, mm, shit, yeah, this, this is a very much a take-it-or-leave-it proposition for people that um, are not as heavily invested. And it's kind of a shame because it does have, there is some potential for some very, very fun action on this one. Because of this ESPN deal, and because they have to only put in the minimum work, a fight card before that would happen in Singapore at the crack of fucking dawn would have all of us hype. And we would all, a lot of us would watch live because the UFC didn't have that ESPN deal. And so they actually put some effort into making people want to watch these early as fuck cards. Here they are putting these cards on now. And they're not doing anything to promote. They're not doing anything to let you know who's on the card. They're not giving you any kind of promotional packages with little clips of these fighters that you might not or probably don't know who they are. They used to actually do that little bit of effort. And so it felt like a bigger thing when the UFC would go to Singapore and have a card like this. We used to get some effort, but we don't get that now. The UFC basically says, if you want to know, you know, you're here at ESPN, maybe look them up on ESPN. You know what I mean? It feels like we've been left to our own devices. And that's not a good thing. Because you end up with cards like this and pissed off media people like me and people out there that are you know you're you're paying customers can't be happy with these cards all the time i have seen the comments it's sad Uh, none of this is appealing to the to the um to the to the average fan but they're you know it's it's like they've largely abandoned the concept of the exactly uh, bellator god bless them i know they're struggling but they let you know all the way down to their smallest guys Who's fighting? Why the why you should watch this? What's important? They go out of their way to make sure even the little guys on their card get some media coverage because CJ Tuttle, their job is solely to antagonize the media with all of their unknown guys that they damn sure want you covering. And sometimes they'll be like, look, I'm going to need you to take one of these little guys if you want to get to one of the bigger guys. So you're going to have to work with us. They're really good about that. UFC, they don't give a fuck. They couldn't care less. They could not. That's the yeah. problem. When you when you corner the market to the degree that they have, well, you know, why bother? It's the UFC. The, the main attraction is not fighter A or fighter B. It's the three letters. And if you don't like it, fuck you. If you do, fuck you. Just give us some money. And that's it. That's all it is. You know, I've had run-ins with CJ Tuttle, but I cannot uh, begrudge him the fact that he does his job well. That's that's the bottom line. They they are very, very good at that. It just sucks that, you know, it's Bellator. They suffer from the name to start. Because when you look for fights, you're not going to type in Bellator. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the sexiest name it's really not but you know they they do the best with what they've got anyways 
So that's what our, our undercard is looking like. And our feature prelim is just the saddest feature, feature prelim ever. So we do have five fights that we're going to pick. And you know what? They're not bad. One of them, especially uh, underneath the uh, the main event. Obviously, the main event is decent enough, but I'm still going to be watching it through my my hands because I'll be worried about the Korean zombie the whole time. But the first one that we're going to pick, which in my opinion should be the co-main event, Aaron Blanchfield versus Tyler Santos. You just know that's a title eliminator right there. Oh my God, be still my heart. This is my fight right here. This is the fight I'm most interested in. I cannot wait to watch this fight. Cannot wait. And I'm having such a hard time picking a winner here. I'm going to go with Aaron Blanchfield, but man, Tyler Santos is so tough. I mean, it could be argued. There are people out there that think that she uh, won that fight with Valentina, you know? Yeah, she certainly poked a lot of holes in Valentina's game Mm -hmm. and figured out a lot and established control in some moments. So uh, that says a lot for her. I I think that Aaron... I I think her striking is probably going to be a factor here as well as her uh, scrambly ground game being able to like sort of just not not dawdle, not languish too much, you know, not not be not hang around too long in certain bad spots. I think that's going to help her out uh, depending on how active she is. And she's usually pretty active with that. So um, I want to pick Santos here. I really do. But um, you know what? No, you know, I'm going to take a flyer on it. I, I kind of feel like Blanchfield is a smart pick, but I'm going to go with Santos. Just, you know, just that that patented toughness that you mentioned. So I'm, I'm going to shake the table with the contrarian bit. I'm going to go with Tyler. It, it could be. I mean, she's got a lot of veteran experience, but the way that Blanchfield fights, she fights like a young one. She gets in there. She gets She gets her hands dirty quick, too fights with urgency and i love that that i think will make will be the difference maker mookie is also picking aaron blanchfield now we get to our next fight rinya nakamura fighting fernie garcia i like this fight too fernie garcia is a tough dude this is a this is a sexy goddamn fight right here. Yeah, I like nakamura here but man fernie garcia is 100% in this fight he is, but you know what, man? Him losing two straight. I know. Nakamura, I know. Nakamura being on a tear with only one decision on his record at mm-hmm. being undefeated and being a high caliber, world class rec- uh, wrestler. I I can't pick against him. I'm going to go with Nakamura here. Exactly, and I am too. Mookie is as well. But you have to remember that. Um, that Fernie Garcia's losses, one was to Brady Highstand, who's on a good run, and Journey Newsom. I mean, that was his his introductory fight. Yeah, they're not bad losses. They're they're not, really not. not they not, they not. hold up okay, and he's still tough. And those were not finishes either. So I absolutely am taking Nakamura, but this isn't exactly a um, a ham and egger by any means in Fernie Garcia. Now we get to our third fight from the top. This is a great fight. Giga Chikadze is coming back. Um, he's facing Alex Caceres. And that, you know what? 
Wow, that's a good fight right there. Alex Kasser is the veteran right there, and he's been looking pretty good lately, you know? He has, he has, to the point where I'm going to actually pick him. I'm going to go with him here because I, I just feel like Giga has, yeah, sure, he's got the world-class striking, and he's got the backing of Cordero and Kings, but you know what, man? Alex has just come around in a big way to the point where it's like now in this late stage of his career, he's really gotten a much more solid game altogether. And he's been pulling rabbits out of a hat every time. It's weird, man. It's like even in even his latest loss, his last uh, his his last loss, which was to Sadiq Yusuf. I mean, he had some moments where he looked pretty great. And coming into that fight, he was on a six fight winning streak, which I mean, good God, I, I did not think that was going to be a thing after that, that um, the sort of uh, mess that he kind of found himself in, alternating wins and losses and having a bit of a, a bad stretch. But nah, he's gotten shit together. I, I don't know what to attribute it to. I'd love to pick his brain and, and see what's going on with that because I, I really love seeing the, the late resurgence in his career. I think he takes it, man. You know what? It, it's it, you got you got a hot hand like this. Fuck it, let it go. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take Giga Chikadze. I can't trust Alex Caceres because I feel like there's he's hit a plateau. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that his best win to date has been Daniel Pineda. Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, and so that's that's the problem. That right there. He's been a victim of his own inconsistency, sure, yeah. Yeah, I definitely got to take Giga Chikadze. I think that there's levels to this game, and this is where they'll be shown. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I th I think the odds are, are correct in this in this scenario. And Mookie is also taking Giga Chikadze. Now, next up, why this is the co-main event? Why, why, why? Anthony Smith is on a... Three fight losing streak, yet he gets co-main event status. I hate that. He is fighting Ryan Spawn. I am taking Ryan Spawn. Mookie is taking Ryan Spawn. I would go out on a limb and bet that Victor is too. Uh, minor correction. It's actually a two fight losing streak. Um, I, 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 I don't. The, I, here's the thing: when Anthony Smith has been losing in the last few years. Man, does this guy go out sad. And he does have that win over, over Spanish. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a, it, there's a lot of daylight between Ryan Spann in 2021 and now fighting him two years later. Uh, the wear and tear is real. The, <laughs> the, the, the difference in, um, in, in development and the stages in which they're in is very real. And Spann... Since then, yeah, he did have a submission loss to Nikita Krilov earlier this year. But since that, he had those two wins straight against Kutulaba and Reyes. Uh, I I just I think he's probably going to do some massive damage. I want to pick Anthony Smith, but I can't. I just can't. I'd be thrilled if he pulled off another submission win. Uh, it would just add even more because he was already you know fired up about fighting Span the first time. Um, I, I can't trust it. I'm going to go with Ryan Spann. All right. 
Mookie and I are both going with Ryan Spam. Uh, the reason why I said he's on a three-fight streak is because I'm looking at topology, and he what it is is he lost a grappling match. That was the third one. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, he lost a grappling match to Glover Teixeira. At least there, he didn't have to lose teeth. So, yeah. All right, we get to the main event. It's a good one, but man... I feel like Chan Sung Young's time has come and gone and that Max Holloway is just going to do ugly, evil, mean things. And I will hate watching it, but I will definitely be watching it. Me and Mookie are taking Max Holloway. There's no other way we could we could go here. Mm, I agree. That's it. There's no major analysis that needs to be made here past that. I am going with Max Holloway. And you know what, man? I... I <laughs> Korean Zombie is going to put up a hell of a fight, a tremendous effort, and um, that's that's the end of that. That is the end of that. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us. <laughs>